Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Well, God bless you, church. Are you filled with expectation tonight? Come on, Faith Assembly, do you have faith tonight? Man, we are praying for uh, this night. This is not only uh, the first Wednesday, this is what we're calling the first first Wednesday because it is. And so we're excited not only for uh, this night, but also the first Wednesdays throughout this year. But we have been praying that this would not just be uh, a cute event or a cute service, but that we would encounter Jesus. Somebody say amen to that. We experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what we've been praying for. And so we wanted to uh, start off right, and, uh, and I'm gonna introduce our guest speaker. Uh, Aaron Burke is from uh, Radiant Church in Tampa, and he and some of his team are here. So God bless you guys. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, I want you to get ready to receive from God. So right now, Faith Assembly, can we give a warm first Wednesday welcome to Aaron Burke as he comes, come on. Put your hands together. Faith Assembly. Wow, 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 wow. What an honor, what an honor. You may be seated. What a great honor to be with you guys tonight. And I'll just promise you this. I promise, Pastor John, it'll be better than any first Wednesday revival night you've had before. Can I give you that, all right? So we're gonna have a good night. I'm, I'm really honored to be here. Can we just take a second? And because I love your pastor so much and I'm so excited about the future of what God is gonna do. The past has been amazing, but I don't know about you. I am expectant from God to do something incredible in the future through Pastor Johnny and Jamie. Can we give it up for the Wilsons? Come on, let's honor our pastors right now. Love them. And... Uh, I bring you greetings from Tampa, Florida, your sister city with a lot less traffic. To God be the glory. And so uh, I, I'm so honored to be with you guys. I've been praying about this tonight, believing God for great things. Thank you, worship team. You're, you've been great. Uh, believing God for big things. I'm gonna just trust. And um, I, I wanna start it off with prayer just for a second. I just want you to close your eyes. I just feel like the spirit of God is here in such a real and tangible way. And I just want you to put your hand right over your heart right now. Because I don't want this to be service as usual. I don't want this to be moments as usual. I think tonight's going to mark somebody for eternity. Tonight is going to mark somebody where you're going to hear a word from God, direction from God. Somebody is in the middle of, of making a decision. You don't know which way to go. And the Lord is going to speak to you tonight with clarity. I think there's just a moment right now. There's somebody tonight. It's going to be the night you're called into a full-time ministry. There's somebody else. Tonight's the night that God's going to drop the business idea on, the, on, your, on your mind. There's somebody else that really felt that, that you're try, trying to debate. Is this the person I'm supposed to marry? The Lord's going to give you an answer tonight. And so I just want us to open up our hearts to receive from God. So right there in your seat, just say, God, speak to me tonight. Speak to me. I'm available. I'm open to hear your voice and to hear it with clarity. And Lord, we make a decision right now. Whatever you tell us to do, we'll be obedient. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that's with me says, 
Amen, amen, amen. Well, I, I want to just take a second, introduce my family. Uh, I think we got a little picture up there on the on the, the the screen for you. This is my me and my wife uh, and our five kids. Let me just say something about these five kids. Uh, I've got four girls and one boy. The boy needs Jesus, and so pray for him. He is the minority of a sorority, and so he uh, he gets a lot of spankings, and uh, and he deserves all of them, all, every single one of them. You're like, well, I don't think we should spank our kids. Well, we know you don't spank your kids. We, we, <laughs> that's funny right there. Uh, but let me just say this about my, my, my girls, uh, my kids. My first one was is nine. She was born in July. 25 months later, my next one was born in August. 25 months later, my next one was born in September. 25 months later, my next one was born in October. And you'll never believe this, but 25 months later, my final was born in November. Your boy's a planner, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Did my work, did my work right there. So I'm gonna to talk to you tonight about uh, one of the, the greatest life-changing moments and, and directions that the Lord has ever given me. I made, you know, I was trying to describe to my kids as I'm raising up children, what has what defined my life? And I'm gonna give you a life-defining statement that if you don't leave with anything else, you'll leave with a statement that will just, just define everything about you and everything about your future. So I was trying to give my kids, you know, as I'm talking them through this about how I got to where I'm at today, I kind of gave them a little rundown of what life was like in the 80s. So let's have a little bit of fun before I get in there. Do you have any 80s kids in the house today? Come on, I see you, you're my people, my people. So I was trying to describe to my kids what life was like in the 80s. And I was like trying to let, it, let them understand it, but they really weren't getting it. They just think everything was the same. And I was like, no, 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 everything was different back in the 80s. Everything was different. And it's like, like that water bottle you have in your hand right now. We didn't have water bottles in the 80s. No, you wanna drink water? Let's show you. This is how you drank water in the 80s. How many remember that's how you drank water in the 80s? That was what you did. We have this Chick-fil-A and I'm telling you, it's all sophisticated. Like we go to plastic, it's all beautiful. I said, kids, that's not how we were raised in the 80s. No, let me show you what my McDonald's looked like in the 80s. Right there, that's what McDonald's looked like. You had to have a tetanus shot to get in McDonald's right there. You survive that, you can survive anything. And then, and then our playground, we have this pirate ship playground we go to these days, like designed by engineers. And they're like, well, daddy, was it that way growing up? No, 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 let me tell you, our playground only had one thing on it. It was this right there. Come on, remember, remember that playground. If you didn't die by going up those 15 steps, how many remember your legs burned the entire way down that thing? I, uh, I, I was telling them this, walking them through, you know, just how I got to where I'm at today. And I said, you see how our car has a third row? I said, my car growing up, it also had a third row. They go, oh, it looked like this, daddy? I go, no, 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 mine looked like this. Let me just show you. That was what my third row looked like. How many remember that third row right there? Who designed where the most valuable little people were just the most vulnerable to be, to be rear-ended at any moment? I remember leaving church, rolling that window down. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Just throwing stuff out of the back of that car at cars. I was trying to help them. My, my daughter, Annabelle, she's so sensitive. She looks at me, she's like, Daddy, how did y'all survive? How did you make it? And I said, I said, I said dear, the only way we survived the 80s were these things right here. Let me just show you that thing right there. Can I hear an amen, somebody? That's how we made it. It's the only way we made it through the whole thing. I wanna give you a life-defining moment, a life-defining phrase that if you're gonna take notes, you're only gonna write down this one phrase, but to give it to you, 
I wanna show you it in the, the book of Luke. If you have your Bibles tonight, I mean, book of John, if you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to open up to there. I know this is a church that loves God's word. Can I hear an amen? People have died for this word. They've, 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 they've gone to the mission field to translate this word. This word has value and power and, and it can transform who we are. So let's go into God's word tonight. And I want us to see this in the very first miracle that Jesus ever performed, John chapter two. It says it like this, on the third day. What day was it? Okay, now I have to let you understand why there was three days in this, because this is a wedding that we're experiencing. And in the culture of that time, the weddings were not one afternoon and for a couple hours, they were seven days long. Now, I don't know how your wedding was, but the last thing I wanted to do for seven days was hanging out at my wedding. How many know I got better things to do? and hang out with you for seven days. But these wedding ceremonies were seven days long and it tells us about this wedding. It says on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. And now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. You're an important person if Jesus is at your wedding, Jesus' disciples are at your wedding, Jesus's mama is at your wedding. You're a big deal here. They actually say that this wedding might have been the author, John himself's wedding that he's writing about. And he's writing about a wedding we know is someone super important and close to the disciples because everybody's there. But in this moment, we see something happens, a scandal happens, and I want you to see it in the wedding. And it says in verse three, and they ran out of Wine, And we would just throw in grape juice right there. Come on, somebody. And the mother of Jesus said to him, Jesus, they have no wine. Now, let me tell you in code what this is, because I've read this many, many times before. I didn't understand this phrase right here until I got married. Because I didn't understand that, that Jesus's mother was not telling Jesus they didn't have any wine. I realize this is how it works in marriage. Now, some of you guys might not be married, but this is how I figured this out. So I came home from, from work the other day and um, I took off my shoes and I just laid them by the couch because I was gonna just watch some TV. And my wife walked up to me and she said, are those your shoes? <laughs> now, Obviously, they're my shoes. If they're not my shoes, we got a bigger problem in the Burke house. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, of course they're my shoes. But I didn't realize she's speaking in code. This is a woman's code that Mary was also speaking in. My wife was not saying, are these your shoes? She's saying, get your shoes up. Get your shoes up. I, I, I had a bowl of cereal the other night and uh, took the bowl, just threw it in the sink. So my wife walks over. She just saw me throw it in the sink. She walks over. She says, um, Aaron, is that your bowl? <laughs> Ladies, I don't understand it. Of course it's my bowl. Whose else would it be right there? But what was she saying? Wash up that bowl. Do something about it. And Jesus' mother looks at him in the midst of this scandal where the wedding three days in, it was supposed to last for seven days, but the wine ran out in three. They were not obviously uh, you know, abiding by the rules of not you know, getting drunk, so they're having a good time at this wedding. And they, the wine ran, runs out, and Jesus' mother looks to him and says, hey, they ran out of wine. In other words, Jesus, 
do something about this. Let's look at the next verse. Verse four, Jesus said to her, woman, now let me just pause right there. (laughs) Only the son of God (laughs) can call her woman right there. Look at that in verse four. Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? And he goes, my hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. So there were six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons a piece. Do the math right there. 20, 30 gallons a piece. You got about 150, 180 gallons that would be filled with water pots. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim and he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast and they took it When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made to wine, they did not know where it had come from, but the servants who had drew the water knew. And the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. And verse 11, this is the beginning of the signs that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. We have the start of Jesus's ministry And all of it is built on this life-defining moment that I want to give you today. And I would say when I look at what God's done, even the little bit that God's done in my life over the last few years, I would say all of it is built on the exact same phrase that we see in John chapter 2. And if you missed it, I want to show it to you in verse 5, where Jesus said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. You want a life-defining moment? You want something that's gonna change the way you live, the way you parent, the way you build your business, the way you, you, you invest in your marriage, the way you go to church. If you wanna change everything in your life, here's the phrase, ready? And this is the word from God tonight, ready? Whatever God says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you. And we need to raise up a group of people here in the Orlando area that say no matter the cost, no matter the consequence, no matter how difficult it is, if God says it, I'm gonna do it. It doesn't matter what it's gonna cost me, I'm gonna be obedient to him. Wherever he tells me to go, I'm gonna go. Wherever he tells me to give, I'm gonna give. Wherever he tells me to lead, I'm gonna lead. Wherever he tells me to move, I'm gonna move. Whatever business he tells me to start, I'm gonna start. Whatever God says, I'm gonna do it. But the problem with it is today is we're really good at doing church and we're really, really, really slow at being obedient in the big stuff God wants us to do. And I feel like God brought me here tonight on the first time of revival nights to just challenge somebody that you're a little too safe to be significant. And you've lived your life, just kind of sit back. I'm just gonna do what I think is okay and I, what I can do and live in my parameters. And God's challenging you to get out of the boat tonight and do something big for the kingdom of God. You've been sitting around doing church for long enough. It's time that you get activated and equipped to do what God's called you to do for the assignment on your life. The only way to do it is that we gotta live in such a way that whatever God says, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna step out and I'm gonna live my life in a radical way of obedience because I'm gonna go with what God is speaking. And I have this crazy idea that God is speaking way more than we're listening. How in the world 
Are we living in such a society where there's so much chaos, there's so much brokenness? Do you really think it's because evil is so rampant or is it because God's people are just so stagnant? Because the scriptures are very clear that as, as evil arises, as the struggles come, so God's people should also, that we should raise up a standard against it. So we need some radical Christians here in Orlando that'll say, I'm gonna live in such a way that I'm waiting to see whatever God tells me, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna live in such a way that this is the call of God on our life. So let's look. Let's look at our passage for just a second and go, how do we live in such a world where we live to where whatever God says that, he, that we can do it. Because I really believe if we practice this, that tonight, even in the few moments we have, God's gonna release assignments and dreams and destiny and direction over people tonight. If you'll lean into this truth. Here's the first thing, is that if you wanna be that person, that whatever God says you're gonna do it, you're gonna get close to God, number one. You gotta learn to get close to God. Now this is important because where were the servants? The servants were with Jesus. They were with him. And when Mary says, hey, whatever they do, whatever he says, do it. Who is she talking to? She's talking to the people right next to Jesus. Listen, they weren't given the assignment because of their ability. They were given the assignment because of their proximity. And a lot of people are sitting there going, God can't use me because I don't have some kind of ability. God's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your proximity. Just get close to him and watch how he'll speak to you. But the problem is, the problem is this, is that we are too busy getting close to everything else other than him. And we have a world that, that's raising up so much of us to get close to social media and get close to the world and get close to, to our friends. And God sent me to tell someone tonight, it's time to get close to him. It's time to draw near to him. The last stat I found is that we spend a, an average, this is an average, so a lot of you guys are way above, some are way below. 145 minutes a day on social media. 145 minutes. Some of you guys, you're like, I've done, I, I can blow that stat away. Like, you're a pro. And the last Barna stat of Christians spend an average of one minute a day in prayer. One minute in prayer, 145 minutes on social media. No wonder we're not changing the world. Now pastors, church leaders, they do way better than this. The Barna stat moves it from one minute a day, just want you to know this. Now this is not for here at Faith Assembly, it's obviously. It moves from one minute a day to five minutes a day. The average pastor, church leader in America, five minutes a day. And we wonder why we're not seeing revival. Because we're close to everything else. We're just not close to him. And I, I just have this desire to, and this feeling that if we came close to him, then we would actually hear the assignments that God has for our life. We would actually hear some direction that he has for our life. We'd actually start some ministries that God wants to do. Like he wants to solve the problem, but he's not gonna send some angel to do it. He's gonna speak to you to do it, but we're too busy doing some other stuff to hear from God. So when's that moment? that you sit yourself down and you get with God and you connect with him and you say, nothing else matters. Who cares what's going on in the world? Who cares what's going on on social media? I'm here to connect with God. And let's be those people 
Let's be that church. Let's be that moment. James 4, Pastor already said it. We come near to God. And what does he do? He comes near to us. Now, this is important for us that when we take that small step towards God, we wake up just a few minutes early. We set our alarm back up just a little bit. I know it's tough, but you just, you do your small part. Here's what I've realized. We do this little step towards God. We do our little initiative. We just turn our phone off. We, we make sure we read our, do our Bible reading plan. What I love about God is God doesn't take a small step towards us. He takes a giant leap towards us. And that's the good thing about our God. We draw near to him. He draws near to us. And I wrote it down this way. When I intentionally get close to God, he drastically gets close to me. So let me encourage somebody today that you feel distant. You feel separated. You feel like you're so far off. Tonight's your night. You get a little close to God. You take the turn towards him. He runs towards you. Can we give him some praise tonight? That's the God that we serve. It's the God that we serve. They, they were close. And I want to challenge you in moments of worship, get close in times of prayer, get close, spend time with God and you'll get assignment from God. Number two, look at this next one, is not only were they close, but number two, you got to expect to receive from God. And I, I'm going to have a moment in just a few minutes where we, we, we expect to receive. And I believe God always meets us at our level of expectation. And what did they do? They turned to Jesus and they waited. Mary said, you're gonna tell us what to do. Now, what do we do? What do we do? And now Jesus throws out the assignment. Now, if I were them, I'd go, well, Jesus, that doesn't make any sense. Because a lot of you guys are waiting to hear something from God that makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, it's probably God. It's probably God. You go, this idea came out of left field. No, it didn't come out of left field, it came out of heaven. That's how you kind of know it's God. And what you have to do is you have to walk into your prayer times going, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna be obedient, and I'm gonna expect to hear, and if it doesn't make sense, it's okay. Because I know that you're gonna speak in such a way because the results I'm looking for are not natural results. So what God's gonna tell me to do is probably not gonna look very natural. Let's do a little journey through scripture. God tells Noah, and here's what he says. Build a boat the size of a cruise ship. And by the way, it's gonna flood the earth. And Noah, by the way, I know you don't even know what rain is, but it's about to come. And he was obedient. God spoke to Moses through a burning bush through a plant that's on fire. This isn't Colorado. Like this is the real world. Like you gotta understand this. And in this world, he's sitting there and he's having this moment and he's going, okay, I'm gonna expect to receive from God. It wasn't normal. It wasn't, didn't make sense, but it was God. God told Elijah that ravens would feed him twice a day. It's weird, but it was God. He said to Ezekiel, lay on your left side for 390 days. That's a weird assignment. Everybody's looking for like, hey, give me the normal thing, God. Tell me what's average to do. These people change the world. God told Hosea, listen to this. Name your, ch your children unloved and the other one, not my people. 
Can you imagine the counseling bill for those kids right there? <laughs> Why are you named? I, I just don't feel loved. Well, your name is unloved. Why is your name unloved? I don't know. Dad just he hears from God. Not only did my dad say it, but God told him to say it. <laughs> Lots of issues with these kids. It didn't make sense, but I want you to understand this, that if you are unwilling to do the impractical, you will never accomplish the impossible. And there's a whole world out there today that's waiting for some simple assignment that everybody can understand. But when God speaks to you, you need to lean in and go, God, if it's weird, if it doesn't make sense, if it's out of the box, that's okay. Because I know what you have on my life is not normal. It's not ordinary. It's not average. It's something spectacular. We're peculiar people. So we need to act a little peculiar at times. So it's, we expect to hear from God. I love what Isaiah says, you will, in your own ears, you will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. We need to wake up with this assignment on us to say, you know what? God is speaking to us. I'm gonna lean in today. He's got a word for my life today. I, I love what he did five years ago. I love what he did 10 years ago, but I don't know about you. I just have this firm belief. God's doing something fresh today. He's speaking something fresh over me today. I love the words from God that were spoken over this church decades ago. But let me tell you, those things have come to pass. We're believing for fresh words for the future. We're gonna expect to hear from God. He's always speaking. He's always got something. And when you go into those times, you expect to hear from him. Let me just remind you, when you need direction, he guides. When you're dry, he refreshes. If you're empty, he'll fill you. If you're sad, he'll bring you joy. If you're broke, he'll supply your needs. When you're lazy, he'll motivate you. When you're tired, he's your strength. Everything we need is found in our God. And I think we should take about 15 seconds and give him some praise because he's such a good God. He wants to speak to us. We gotta to expect to hear from him. <laughs> Wrap this up, he, he, you gotta get close to him. You gotta lean into him. You gotta to expect to hear from him and it's not gonna make sense. But here's the third thing and I'll close with this one. Just you gotta to learn to obey immediately and obey fully. Obey immediately and obey fully. Now this is not our nature. Uh, I have... Like I said, I have five kids, and so my oldest is nine. When she was about three or four, I decided to take her Chuck E. Cheese. Y'all have Chuck E. Cheese around here in Orlando? Okay, it's like Mickey's poor cousin, right? It's like, it's not, it's not quite Disney, but it's still got a mouse, right? Didn't go, didn't have all the, 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 the upper hand Mickey had. So it, it, I don't know if you remember going in, in, in Chuck E. Cheese. I remember going as a kid, and it's dirty. It's gross. It's, we don't need to play. It's too, it's too, we would have a Holy Ghost moment. It's a funny moment. We'll get there in a second. Uh, not yet, not yet, not yet, but you're good. You can wait. That's awesome. Um, so Mickey's poor cousin. That's where I was at. Okay, so we go to Chuck E. Cheese. It, it's so dirty. Like if you, it's so gross. Like we're in there, people are running around everywhere. And so my daughter and I, we're, we're, this is my first time Chuck E. Cheese. Do you remember the, the guys on the stage, the big monsters, you know, they're creepy, right? They're just weird. I always thought they were real growing up. They're not real. So I'm there with my daughter and we go and we get all these tickets. And uh, 
So we play all these games. I'm destroying the games. Like I'm getting like all the different, the bonuses, the whole deal. And I'm blowing a lot of cash. It's, you know, it's what you do when you have like one kid. Now I have five. We don't do any of this stuff. So I'm blowing all this cash. We're getting all these tickets. And so we get them all. They're all in a bucket. We're all like pumped. So at the time, you would take all your tickets to this like, this like machine in the middle. Someone's gonna get a little nostalgic here. And you're feeding them in there. It's like, um, um, um. Y'all remember this thing? It's like, it's eating your tickets right up there. It's awesome. So, so we're feeding them all in. And my daughter, Lily's like, daddy, what do you think we can get? And by the time we fed them all in, we had like 875 tickets. And I said, Lily, we're gonna buy this whole store. <laughs> this place is ours. And so we go look at the counter. I'm like, oh, you're gonna be able to pick out whatever you want. I remember we went to the counter. There's like this TV, like Xbox station thing up there with a TV. She's like, daddy, do you think I can have that? I was like, I'm sure we can. So I told the little girl behind the counter, I said, how much is that one right up there? She said, that's 87,000 tickets. <laughs> I said, I just spent $100 to get 875. I was like, what can I get with 875 tickets? So she brings us down to like the lowest counter. You know what I'm talking about, Pastor. Like it's like the lowest counter. It's like a whoopee cushion and a kazoo. That's it. That's what I got, 875 tickets. So I turned to my daughter, Lily, and I said, Lily, I said, we don't, we don't need this. I said, this is crazy. I said, look at all the other kids in this place. I said, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? Why don't we take our 875 tickets and give it to one of these other kids and they'll be able to buy something better. Now, I wish at this moment in the sermon, I can turn to you and say, she looked at me and said, pastor, father, <laughs> you are wise in all of your ways. <laughs> you know what is best and you are always right. But that's not what happened, pastor. I don't know what it was about my leadership, about my parenting, but my daughter at that time falls to the ground in the middle of Chuck E. Cheese I mean, has a total breakdown. I'm carrying this girl. They think I'm stealing her. I'm not. I'm saying that she's kicking and screaming ah! the whole way out. And, and it makes me realize that's how God treats us so much of their time. We sit there and God's blessed us and blessed us and blessed us. And then he speaks to us and says, okay, I want you to do this. And instead of going, God, we know you own everything. We'll be obedient to you. We go, no, I want it my way. And you know what I had a hard time doing next time? Taking her to Chuck E. Cheese again. Because if that's the response, why would I continue to bless? And I just have a feeling that some of you guys tonight, that God has spoken in the past and you say, God, whatever you want, except that, not that. You can have everything, but don't touch that right there. You, you can have everything in my life. Just don't mess with that. We can, you, now you can go. Watch how the whole atmosphere changes. We call, it, we, call it, we call it, by the way, we call it Blackberry Christians. You know what Blackberry, do you remember the phone? Remember those, those phones? Everybody had a Blackberry phone. It was like the cool thing. I remember when Obama got elected, he was like a Blackberry. He was like, oh, what's so cool? Blackberry, they owned 90% of the cell phone market. And then their rival came in, the iPhone. God's phone. And they started taking over. And the iPhones, their one unique thing about the iPhone is that they did not have a keyboard. It was, it was the keyboard was in the screen. 
they started to slowly go in and in and in on the, the market share of BlackBerry and the market, the leadership of BlackBerry met around a table and they say, what are we gonna do to combat the, lead, the, the iPhone, the, the emerging market? And they go, we'll do anything. And they said, we think the number one thing you gotta change is you gotta change your keyboard. You gotta put your keyboard in the screen. And the, the, the president, it's a, it's a well-known documented thing. The president said, we'll change anything. We'll never change that. And they went from 90% market share to about five years later, they were less than 1% and then bankrupt another few years later that. And I think a lot of us come to God and we go, God, we'll do everything you want. Just don't tell me to change that. And we wonder why the Lord's not using us. What do these guys do? These guys made a decision to say, you know what? Whatever you tell us to do, we're gonna do it. And he said this, he said, you, there, there's six water pots filled with water. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take them, they're, they're empty. And, and what you gotta do is you gotta fill them up. Now, now we think, okay, we'll get the hose and fill them up. That's not how it worked. They would have to walk outside of town. They would have to, they're missing the whole party. Everybody else is dancing. They're doing the YMCA there. And what are the disciples doing? They're getting a, going down to the well, getting some water, and they're walking back. It doesn't make any sense. This is just crazy. We're missing the whole wedding because Jesus told us to do this. I feel like the Lord really spoke to me because somebody tonight, you feel like your whole life is just continually going. Doesn't make sense but I'm not in this for it to make sense. I'm in this thing to be obedient to God. And while everybody else is partying, they're going, hey, 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 Peter, come over here. We're, we're, we're having it, we're doing the train. It's Congo line, come on. And Peter's going, I can't. Because I was next to Jesus and Jesus gave me an assignment and I don't understand it and it doesn't make sense. And it, I don't even know if it's gonna work, but I'm just gonna live my life in such a way that I'm gonna keep filling up the water and keep filling up the pots. And eventually God's gonna do a miracle if I just do what I keep call, what he keeps telling me to do. And I've come to encourage somebody in the beginning of March, who feels like, man, God's told you something. And I don't know if it's if somebody started tithing at the beginning of the year and you go, this is gonna be a year. I'm gonna put God first in my finances. And you haven't seen the breakthrough. Here's the word from God. Keep filling up the pot. Keep sitting there and filling up the water. You might not see it right now, but I truly believe that if you do your part and you combine it with God's part, we'll see miracles start breaking out when we do what God has called us to do. Keep filling up the pot. Keep doing what God's called you to do. One quick story. I gotta, I gotta say this story tonight. So I moved to Tampa, didn't know anybody in Tampa. God called us to start a church in the city. It was the biggest faith move I've ever done in my entire life. We had a, uh, we were just, uh, we had a, uh, our first child, she was six months old, and we had this demonic dog that thankfully has gone to, um, he didn't go to heaven, so I don't know where the dog is at. <laughs> Not sure your theology in that, but the Lord delivers us from that. But it was a difficult season. We moved to Tampa, we didn't know a single person in Tampa. And I spent every single day we lived with our in -law, my in-laws in uh, Lakeland and I would drive every day into Tampa and just start showing up to all these networking meetings, just trying to meet people. Please, please, God, please, please, please. And I'd just go to these things. And all I was doing every day is just going, I'm just gonna keep being obedient. 
I remember my family members were like, Aaron, it doesn't make sense. You get a job. Like, I, this is my job. I gotta be obedient to God. And don't, don't sit there and sit there and think, hey, man, everybody's just gonna celebrate you filling up the water pots. I'm telling you, people will celebrate when the miracle happens. But if you're waiting for people to celebrate, realize it's not gonna happen until the miracle actually happens. People come to us all the time and go, oh, well, oh, of course it makes sense. Of course, Tampa. We, even have, we passed over 10,000 decisions for Christ, giving a couple million dollars away to missions. We've been able to see lives change. Of course it looks awesome. You didn't see me filling up the water pots when nobody else was. I've just come to encourage someone that you're behind the scenes and you go, nobody gets it. So one day, true story, I, was, uh, I got a call from a pastor down in Sarasota he says, Aaron, how's the church going? I'm like, it's not, we're supposed to launch in a couple months. I don't got any money. I don't got anything. It's just tough. He goes, hey, we're doing this conference in Orlando. He goes, there's been a bunch of pastors in this room. He's like, why don't you come over and hang out with us? It would encourage you. And maybe some of these pastors will hear the vision and maybe they'll give you some money. I'm like, man, I don't want to spend any more time with some pastors, but I need some money. I said, I'll go over there to Orlando. I prayed about it. I really felt God told me, go do it, go do it. So go to Orlando. I'm at the Orlando Convention Center and uh, I'm there and I, I go to this lunch. I sit with this pastor, meet a couple guys, meet some pastors and I'm sitting there at this lunch going, this is the dumbest thing I'm ever on. I'm called to plant this church. I'm here in Orlando. I'm wasting my time. I need to go. So I sit through the lunch, try to meet some people, no connections. I start to leave and as I'm leaving the convention center, I walk through the expo hall and as I'm leaving the expo hall, um, one of my, the pastors of the church that I grew up in, in the, in the panhandle is sitting there. He's a big, kind of famous pastor, big guy. And so I walk up to him and his name is Pastor John. I, I said, hey, Pastor John. I said, my name's Aaron. I said, hey, I just want you to know, um, I grew up in your church and I, I just want you to know, I'm launching a church in Tampa. And, and I really feel like God's gonna use it in an amazing way. And he's talking to me, he has no clue who I am. And he's talking to me. He's like, oh, that's neat. That's neat. That's neat, son. And he kind of like taps me on the head. I'm like, I'm a tall dude. So you got a guy like, he's like, great, son. Have a great day. And I'm like, sweet. This is a failure. I get in my car and I start driving home and I'm angry with God because what I feel like I'm doing is I feel like I keep filling up the water pots and I'm not seeing anything, nothing. And I have this venting session with God. And I go, God, I moved my family to this city. I have no money. I'm trying to build this church and nobody's, it's, we're a couple of months away from launching and very few people are showing up and I don't have any money. I don't have any of this thing. God, I'm wasting my time. And while I'm, I'm venting to God, I get a phone call from that pastor in Sarasota. He goes, where'd you go? I said, uh, I had to have home. I gotta, I gotta work on playing this church. He goes, hey, I wanted to introduce you to a pastor. He goes, this guy wants to help and help your church. I said, well, give him my phone number. Tell him to call me. So I'm going back to Tampa. I'm driving back to Tampa. About five minutes later, Pastor Carl calls me. Now hear me out, hear me out. Listen, Pastor Carl calls me. I don't know who he is at all. Now I know who he is. But at the time, I have no clue who he is. He says, my name is Pastor Carl. I'm, I'm the pastor here at Faith Assembly. He goes, I just heard you're starting a church. I said, yes, sir, I'm starting a church. And he said, well, tell me a little bit about your story. I said, I grew up in Pensacola. 
I said, you know, I moved to Tampa. I don't know anybody. He goes, son, were you just in the expo hall talking to Pastor John? I said, yes, sir, I was. He goes, I was standing right behind you and he was trying to have a conversation with me and you walked in front of us and started telling him about your church. <laughs> and he goes, and while you were telling him about your, while you, you he was telling, you were telling him about your church, I thought, boy, if that guy talked to me, I'd give him some money. And then you walked away. He goes, but then all of a sudden I get this phone call, we're connected, we're gonna help your church. And I'll tell you, that was the largest check our church ever received before we launched this church was from your, Pastor Carl, when he started this thing. And I'm telling you, it was one of those moments where I realized going, if I do my part, which is only just a little bit, I can trust that God will do his part, which is so much bigger than anything we can do. Get your faith up. Trust God that if you'll do it, you keep being obedient, you keep serving, you keep giving, you keep doing your part. Watch how God will do the miracle. Now give them some praise tonight, Church, amen. Why don't we stand up for just a second? Why don't we all stay standing? I feel the atmosphere of faith is in the house for us to hear from God. This is a moment right now. Oh, Holy Spirit, He has gathered us in this moment to release assignments, direction. Some of you, you just, you haven't even known the words to say to your lost child or grandchild. God's gonna speak to you right now. He's gonna give you something. Why don't we open our hands to receive from him tonight and just say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Come on, all over this place, Holy Spirit, would you start to just right now, we, we draw close to you. Come on, we're gonna have a moment of worship. And as we have a moment of worship, let's draw close to God. I believe there's probably a couple hundred of you guys that need to get a little desperate to draw close to God. You get out of your seat. You come and line these altars. You need a word from God. Come on, you get out of your seat. You line this altar. And why don't we press into God? And as we press into God, watch how he'll release it over your life right now. Come on, worship team. Let's sing it out.
just posture yourself to hear from the Lord tonight. This is not a normal Wednesday night. This is a night where the Holy Spirit speaks. ask him say God give me that dream give me that that direction he's not a God of confusion he knows where to go he knows what you should do lean into him right now expect to hear from God right now about 30 more seconds. Come on, lean in. We'll, we'll continue to worship, but 30 more seconds. Come on. I feel like the Lord was even speaking to some, some lady in here today that the marriage is, you feel like it's over and God's saying, no, I want you to fight for it one more time. I want you to fight for it one more time. Somebody else that there's just been this nonprofit idea that keeps dropping in your mind. You go, it just is so irrational. It doesn't make sense. You'd even have to pull back from your job to pursue it even more. God's saying, run with it, run with it, run with it. Somebody else, it's, you've been on the fence on even going, I don't know, I don't know if this is the place for me. I don't know if I'm supposed to serve here. God's saying, dive all in, dive all in. Let's listen to the voice of God. Let's do this just before we transition come on with hands raised just say God whenever you speak to me in the future I'm going to be obedient God whatever whatever assignments you give whatever things you drop in my mind Lord whoever you tell me to pray for whoever you tell me to invite to church wherever you tell me to serve no matter how illogical or irrational or impractical it looks I will be obedient I will say no matter the cost no matter the consequence by life or by death, I will follow you, God. Let our lives count for something great because we live with the motto that whatever God says, we will do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, let's sing it out one more time. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.